0: This teaching is brought to you by Christian Family Church International. My wife and I have been so blessed being at this celebration. Isn't it amazing? And uh, I just want to take a moment and thank Apostle Theo and Dr. Bev for all that you've done and for who you are. It means so much to us and, you know, we love you dearly. Thank you so much for having us. You know, all these messages we've been hearing uh, are so uplifting and encouraging, and here I come along with a serious message about hell. But it ends on a good note because not one person has to go there. That's right. You know, um, it's interesting, though, but um, I, I just want to take two minutes and recap what I spoke on Wednesday uh, about hell and then get to the good part about Jesus. And um, because I think when you remember about how severe hell is, you are much more appreciative of your own salvation. And number two, it does cause us all to have more of an urgency to witness. You know, when you really grasp it, you will do more to keep your family and friends out of hell. You'll go to more effort. You know, in so many churches today, not this church, but so many others, they don't preach about hell anymore. And it's downplayed and softened. They don't want to hear it. They want to hear just love and grace and everything's wonderful. But this is a message of love because it's a message of warning. God's warning us. He doesn't want anybody to go there. He spoke about hell in 46 different verses. Because that's what He saved us from. You know, and so many people, they don't want to hear about hell. And I ask them, well, you don't want to hear about hell. Tell me, what were you saved from? Hell. You know? Anyway, so... Uh, But just to recap, real quickly, uh, God gave me a vision in November 23rd, 1998. And this vision changed my life. It caused me to leave my career. I was making a half a million dollars a year. And my wife and I both left. We traveled. We paid our own way around the country. We never took any money from anybody because that's how serious this message was to us, to get across to people, hey, there is a hell. You do not want to take a chance with your soul and go there. So we did this and um, traveled for that time. But just, here's some of the things I saw, just quickly. I was placed in a prison cell. I saw prison cells like but like a dungeon, filthy, stinking, dirty prison cells. There were people in cells. There were some people in individual pits of fire. And I saw a large raging pit of fire that was about a mile across with flames raging high up in this open cavern, real literal flames. I saw thousands of people in this pit burning and screaming. There's demons tormenting people. People have no strength. You have no strength in your body whatsoever uh, to defend yourself. But the demons have such great strength anyway, you couldn't fight them off. And you have your full memory in hell. I remember my wife uh, up on the earth and I'll never see her again. I'll never be able to tell her goodbye. Uh, and to be, have no finality with your loved ones is extremely tormenting. I understood I was down deep in the earth, I knew there were different levels of torment and degrees of punishment, but any level is horrendous beyond anything your mind can conceive. Uh, There are maggots crawling all over everything and everybody, there's snakes, there's demons that are the most hideous, disgusting looking creatures, they have an extreme hatred for God and for you, and uh, they will torment you and you cannot do anything about it. Uh, you are uh, hungry, you never get to eat, you have the feeling of hunger, Uh, Luke 6.25. And remember Luke 16, a rich man wanted a drop of water? You don't get that drop of water. And, you know, if I was to give you a drop of water, that wouldn't suffice, would it? You wouldn't value one drop, but in hell you would. You would do anything for that drop and just think that rich man that Jesus talked about is still longing for that drop that he'll never get. The fear that you experience in hell is beyond anything you can imagine. Worse than anything you have ever experienced. And that fear stays on you for all eternity. And the Bible says fear has torment. You're tormented with that. You never get to go to sleep in hell. So you have the feeling of exhaustion. Absolute exhaustion. You're desperate to rest, but you never get to rest. And uh, the stench in hell, you have to breathe the most foul, putrid, disgusting odors. But it's even worse than that. You don't have enough air to breathe, so you have to experience what it's like to suffocate. So you feel like you're suffocating for all eternity. Uh, These are all some of the things that you experience in hell. Any one of them would be enough to kill you. And you have to experience all these things. You're in absolute burning fire. And, you know, to burn, that's why Jesus talked about 18 of the verses he talked about were about the fires of hell. So, you know, you can imagine, touch your finger to the stove, what you feel just burnt. Uh, but imagine being consumed in flames for all eternity. You have to experience all that. And uh, you're isolated. You're by yourself. You never have any conversation. You're alone for all eternity. It's a place of confusion. Jeremiah 20, 11, Isaiah 45, 16 talk about a land of everlasting confusion. It's hectic, crazy. Nothing makes sense in hell. You have to endure all that for all eternity. These are just some of the things I'm just sharing with you quickly. And, um, thank God, He saved us from this horrible place. And that's the whole purpose of me pointing this out to you, so you'll be more grateful for what He's done. For going to the cross for us. When I was was being lifted up this dark tunnel, and it was pitch black in this tunnel. It's so dark in hell, you can't see the hand in front of your face. And you know just one thing about darkness, I went to the coal mines in Arizona, they take you down real deep in the, and they turn off the lights. For just 30 seconds they turn off the lights. And people panic in 30 seconds. It is so dark you can't see anything, and they actually panic in just 30 seconds. Well you're in hell for all eternity in the dark. As I was being raised up this tunnel, uh, suddenly this bright light appeared. Now, I knew immediately who it was. There was no doubt in my mind. I did not see his face. I just saw the outline of a man standing in this bright, pure, holy light. And I just called out his name. I said, Jesus. And he said, I am. He said, I am. I went out. I don't know if I died or passed out. I can to explain that through Revelation 1.16. When John saw him, he said, his countenance was bright as the sun, and I fell at his feet as one dead. And he touched me and after I came to at his feet, it hit me so strongly, even though I've been a Christian for 28 years at that point, it hit me like, if he wouldn't have gone to the cross, I would be in that place for all eternity. I was so grateful for the cross, for what Jesus did for me. The king of the universe gave his life for me. I didn't want to ask him any questions. I just want to thank him. I said, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for dying for me, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Oh, I just want to worship you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for giving your life for me. Thank you, Jesus, for taking me to heaven. Oh, thank you, Jesus. That's all I wanted to do, because you have to see one second ago, I was in hell in my mind for all eternity. And now suddenly he placed it back in my mind that I'm a Christian. I don't have to go to hell. I, the relief is unimaginable, you can't even explain it, and I was just so grateful, and so, but after a a time, thoughts started coming to my mind, and he would answer my thoughts, Psalms 139.2 says, he answers our thoughts afar off, and I thought, Lord, why did you send me to this horrible place, he said, because many people do not believe hell is real, he said, even some of my own people do not believe hell exists, That statement surprised me. I thought all Christians believe in hell, but we have found out since many Christians do not believe in hell. They believe in annihilationism or universalism or soul sleep, many false teachings. And he wanted me to point them to the scriptures. I'm just a signpost to point people to the scriptures and check out what the Bible has to say about hell so you can avoid it. And that was the purpose for him showing me this place. Um, And then I said, Lord, why did those demons hate me so much? They have an extreme hatred for man. He says because you're made in my image and they hate me. See, John 15, 18, Jesus said, they hated me before they hated you. Demons hate God, but they can't hurt him, but they can hurt his creation. That's why Jesus said in John 10, 10, the thief comes to kill, steal and destroy. But he said, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. All the destruction we see in life and the evil and the sickness and disease and all that, all that comes from the demonic realm, because the devil is doing all this destruction. I said, Lord, I don't want to tell anybody about this experience. They're going to think I'm crazy or had a bad dream. He said, it's not your job to convict their hearts. That's the Holy Spirit's. I said, yes, sir, I'll go. But I have to admit, I complained for the first seven years given this testimony. And uh, because I'm a conservative person, I didn't want to be identified with someone that says they've been to hell. You know, I picture somebody on the street corner with a wooden sign and wild hair saying, repent or burn, you know, that's what I envision. And I thought, I don't want that. I'm, I, You know, but also hell was so severe. This is two other reasons why. Hell is so severe. I knew there, I don't care if I'm the best speaker in the world. There is no words I could put and articulate to get across the horrors of hell. It's worse than I could ever paint a picture for you. And I thought, why bother, Lord? It's worse than I can. And he said, just go and tell him. And then the last reason I didn't want to tell anybody was because I get the part, you know, some more about meeting Jesus, but it was so precious to me to be in the presence of Jesus for the short time. I didn't want any ridicule. I didn't want, I don't want to hear it. Like, I just want to enjoy. I met Jesus and I'm just going to enjoy that. And I don't I'll, I'll witness, but I'm not going to tell anybody about my experience. That's how I felt. But the Lord told me to go and tell him. So I complained for seven years. said, Lord, I'm uncomfortable. And the Lord spoke to me one day and says, Bill, it's not about you being comfortable. It's about you being obedient. Man, I felt so convicted. And I said, Lord, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'll go. And now it doesn't matter if I feel uncomfortable. Because if one person can come to the light of the scripture and avoid this horrible place, it's worth any uncomfortableness I would ever feel. Plus, God's given us all something to do. Every one of us has something to do, and we're all equally important. There's no big shots with God. So whatever God's called you to do, I encourage you, do it with all your heart. Do it with all your heart. I said, Lord, those demons were so big. Some were 12 and 13 feet tall. The most ferocious, vicious-looking creatures you can't imagine. I said, Lord, those demons were so powerful. And he just said calmly, all you have to do is cast them out in my name. And then suddenly, I saw these demons that were lined along the wall, this cavern tunnel I was traveling up. They were 12 and 13 feet tall. Suddenly, they looked like ants on the wall. And I took a second look. I looked. Did they shrink when Jesus showed up? I wasn't sure. But, But here's what I got out of that. The Lord was trying to show me that the authority we have in His name, those demons are literally like an ant in God's presence. And, you know, if you saw an ant and you stepped on it, you wouldn't even give it a thought. Instead, That's how we are to treat the demons because we have the authority of the name of Jesus. Just like Dr. Theo was telling last night, if we recognize and understood the authority we have in the name of Jesus, those demons have to flee when we speak that powerful name. And that's what God was trying to get across to me by showing me ants on the wall. That was amazing to me. And I thought, Lord, uh, it was eight things he shared with me. And I said, um, Oh, the Lord said to me, uh, many of my people don't witness. They make excuses. They say, I didn't feel led. Now, we all need to be led, but at the same time, most Christians make that excuse. Well, I didn't feel led to really witness to them. And he said, because they fear man rather than fearing God. So may we not be accused of that same thing and rather have some boldness to go and witness. Now when we witness, we don't pound people over the head with a Bible and scream at them all that. Our witness, most of it, Charles Spurgeon said, 90% of our witness is to our life example. Do we keep our word uh, uh, to our own hurt? Do we show up on time for work? Do we work with excellence? Do we show love and forgiveness to people that are ugly to us? All those things the world observes of us. They're watching that. That speaks volumes. You don't even have to say the word. You just have to show an example and be like Christ. But also we are to take the opportunity and watch for those opportunities. See, if you're a soul winner, you you get up each day and you say, Lord, use me today. Put me in front of somebody today, Lord. I want to be used by you. And see, God's entrusted us with the gospel. That's a privilege. He's given us the gospel, the precious words that can save someone's life for eternity. He's entrusted us with his word. And yet most Christians don't bother to witness. They don't use his word. And they sit back and go to church and hear a nice message and go home. And yet God holds us accountable to speak out his word. Watch for those opportunities. And see, when you understand how severe hell is, man, you'll think, I don't want my family going there. I don't want my friends going there. I'm going to do more than I normally would do. I'm going to pray and fast. I'm, and, you know, I had a friend at work, and he was a millionaire, smart guy, atheist. Not want to hear about hell. For years I tried to talk to him, wouldn't listen. And one day the Lord said, do a seven-day water fast for him. So I prayed and fasted for seven days. On the seventh night, he, I come into work the eighth day. And he says, he was shook up and he goes, Bill, you won't believe what happened to me last night. He goes, I pulled in my garage. And suddenly Jesus Christ showed up in person in my garage. This is a true story. That was the seventh night of my fast. And not that I have, it's God doing it. But the point was, if I wouldn't have taken that extra effort, you know, and he got saved that night, radically saved, and now it's 27 years later, he's still serving God and his whole family, and uh, so see if I've got to pray and fast sometimes, and uh, you know, I know there's so much to tell here, I'm just going to, the Lord said to me as we were traveling up this tunnel, he said, tell them I am coming very, very soon, then he said again, tell them I am coming very, very soon. Now in my heart I felt that he really meant it, like, like it's short, we don't have a lot of time. I honestly felt that so strong and that was 20 years ago. But I believe God's delayed is coming to give us a window of opportunity to get more people saved. That's what's going on right now. We're in that window so we need to take opportunity right now, take advantage of this time what we have. We, uh, we went above the earth uh, in this tunnel, we came out of this whirlwind tunnel um, that is, goes down into hell. Too long to give you all the details on that. But we went above the earth, came out of this tunnel, and I looked back and I could the earth, I could see the earth from space like an astronaut. It was so glorious to see the earth, like Job twenty six seven says, he hangeth the earth upon nothing. It just hung there. And it's spinning so perfectly. A thousand miles an hour, not varying one mile per hour every single day. I looked how Beautiful it looked from, I don't know how you couldn't get saved as an astronaut seeing, it's just his creation is marvelous. I was enjoying seeing that. I thought, wow, Lord, look how big the oceans are and they're not spilling over onto the land. Even though the earth is spinning at a thousand miles an hour, you can't even walk across the room with a bowl of water without spilling it. And God's got it spinning at a thousand miles an hour and, and the oceans are not moving because he commanded them to stay put. You know, I mean, all these amazing, I'm just telling you my thoughts. And so I was looking at all that and I had looked out into space and I could grasp a little bit more than we can here how big the universe is. How many trillions and billions and countless stars there are. And he's in control of everyone. Not one is colliding. Everything is in perfect harmony. I was looking at all this. And then I thought about all the people on the earth, the 7 billion people. that He knows every thought that we're thinking at every moment, every hair on our head which changes, you know, and God is in control and knows all that. I thought, Lord, you're a big God. We serve a big, mighty God. And I just was enjoying all that. And then he had me turn around and look at the tunnel we just came out of. And people were falling one after another, after another, back down that tunnel into hell. And he allowed me to, this is the strongest part of hell. This is the thing that affected me. The, I mean, the, uh, the, uh, the whole vision. This is the part that affected me the most. He allowed me to feel a piece, just a small piece of his heart, of the love he has for people, the anguish he feels for a soul going into hell. I couldn't stand it. I said, Lord, stop. I don't I don't I can't I can't bear it. The anguish he feels for someone going to hell. See, Ephesians 319 said, his love passes knowledge. It's way past our ability to even conceive how much he loves every single person. You know, we love our families, but God loves us way more than we love. And he showed me Psalms 139, 17 and 18, where David said, your thoughts toward me are all precious. And I suppose if I should count them, they are more than the sands. And and the Lord showed me, he goes, look, if you took a handful of sand, there'd be thousands of granules in your hand. If each one represented a thought. And I said, boy, I love how I took a grain of sand. I said, I love how my wife prays for me all the time. I love how she prays for her family. I love how she loves the body of Christ. I love how beautiful she is. You came back three or four hours from now, and I'm trying to exhaust the amount in my hand. You would say, Bill is really gone over his wife. He's crazy about her. Well, the thoughts God has for us, he said, are all precious, and they're more than the sands on the whole earth. How many granules are on the earth? Well, you can't. And that's not an exaggeration, because God can't exaggerate. So the thoughts he has for you and me are all precious and they're more than the sands on the whole earth. Can you grasp a little bit more now how much he loves people? And that's why he wants us as Christians to take the effort and witness. Be a good example. Witness all you can because, like I said, he's entrusted us with the gospel and what we say can keep a person out of hell. Bill Bright said only 2% of Christians even bother witness. If we all witnessed, uh, there'd be a lot less people going to hell. There would be. But yet most Christians don't bother. And yet God's going to hold us accountable also. You know, Ezekiel 33, eight says, If we fail to speak to warn the sinner from his way, his blood will I require at your hand. That's a strong verse. In other words, he's saying, I hold you partially accountable if you don't witness. It says the same thing in Acts 20.26 20, and Acts 18.6. That's why Paul said, I am free from the blood of all men because I am not uh, shunned to declare all the counsel of God. So he said, my hands are free. I have witnessed to everybody I can. And Paul said, woe is me if I preach not the gospel. So that's all of us. We're supposed to have that same heart, same attitude, you know, and have God's heart because he doesn't want people to go to hell. So that's what the, uh, seeing hell encourages us to have more of a passion for the lost. Second Corinthians 5, 10, and 11 says, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. Even though the scripture is talking about the judgment seat, the reward seat for Christians, most of the commentaries agree that he was also talking about judgment in hell in general. So when you understand judgment in hell in general, you will be more persuasive with men. You'll take more effort. We came up to our home and I saw my body lying on the floor. It was so strange to see. I thought, that's not me. This is the real me, the spirit man. And the body looked so temporal. It looked just like if you looked at your car. It's a vehicle to get you around in life, but it's not you. That's how it looked. And then I saw a puff of smoke go up. I said, Lord, what's that? He said, that's your life. That's it? It was like a tea kettle, a little vapor. James 4.14, life is but a vapor. I said, Lord, we don't have much time. He said, yes, but what you do for me during that short time, I will count for all eternity. That gave me a better overall eternal perspective. What's important in life? It's to serve God. We don't have a lot of time here. This time we think is so long, it's short, it's a vapor. And yet what we do for God, he will remember and will be rewarded in heaven for all eternity. Isn't that awesome? Now, one of the things we can do for God is to win souls, right? And the Bible says, he that wins souls is wise. We all want wisdom. Well, here's a way to get wisdom. Win souls. And I just want to share with you two quick stories that will encourage you to witness, I believe. And that's what we're all called to do. Uh, My neighbor who uh, next to me, he, he was an atheist, a tough marine. And he just didn't like God. He never wanted to hear about the Lord. And he was a real tough guy, wealthy. And I, over the years, I tried to witness to him. He wasn't interested. Well, I found out one day he was in the hospital dying. I asked his wife, can I go see him? And she goes, yeah, but don't you talk to him about the Bible. She knew I was a Christian. And she was not saved either. And uh, so my wife and I went. We took the... I just felt in our heart, we got to go now. So we went up the hospital, Psalm. He was in the hospital, tough big guy, now all skinny. And I don't know what was wrong with him dying. And he had tears... Streaming out his face, he goes, Bill, last night, he said, I was slipping out of my body, and I was going down this really dark tunnel. I have never been scared in my life, he said, but I was terrified. I knew where I was going. He said, what do I do? I said, well, you know, you were heading to hell. And he goes, yeah, I know. I don't want to go to hell. Please, how do I stay out of that place? Now, this was a man that was tough wouldn't hear it but now on his deathbed when he's facing eternity and he was slipping out of his body he got a glimpse of that tunnel that you're heading down well the doctors resuscitated him and now he's back and he had this opportunity I said you can be saved you don't have to fear uh, hell anymore if you repent and ask God to forgive you he said I, I, I'm so sorry for my sins please tell me so I led him through the sinner's prayer my wife and I and stay with him for a while he held my hand he wouldn't let go he was weeping and afterwards he had a joyful look on his face and even the wrinkles seemed to leave and um, anyway we left two days later he was dead now the point is what if I wouldn't have gone none of his family were saved and his wife wasn't even saved would that be a case where Ezekiel 33 8 if we fail to speak to warn the sinner from his way his blood will acquire your hand would that be one of those cases see because the Lord was prompting me to go but what if I wouldn't have gone would he have gone to hell that's how we have to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit each day and say, Lord, uh, okay, should I talk to this person? Should I go here? Do you want me to go there? And be really aware, and, and God will lead you. One other quick story. Uh, we went to New Jersey to speak at a church, and at the end, I'm in the back at the book table, and two ladies come up, very nice looking, well-dressed in their 30s, and the one lady's weeping hysterically, and the, the one other lady said, Bill, I've got to tell you what happened last night. She goes, uh, I was at home, and my friend here called me, and she said, I'm committing suicide tonight, I'm done. And she goes, she's my best friend, so I knew she was serious. She's been dealing with this for a year. She's gone through some really traumatic things and she's held on for a year, but now she was done. She goes, I'm killing myself, I just wanna say goodbye. And she said, I begged her, come over to my house first. And I just felt led to say, come over and see me. So she agreed, she came over to her house. When she got there, the lady of the house said, listen, I came across this book recently, 23 Minutes in Hell you need to read this book before you kill yourself. And she agreed. She sat down and read my book. What's the chance of this lady had my book? And she had her read the book. And Dorne, when she's reading it, the phone rings, and it's another friend calling her to say, are you going to church tomorrow? And she goes, yeah, why? And she goes, because this guy that's been to hell is coming to our church tomorrow. She goes, you're kidding. Who, what's his name? Bill Weiss. She says, you're kidding. So she got off the phone and she told the lady that was going to commit suicide. She says, you won't believe it, but the book you're reading, the author is going to be at our church tomorrow morning, at our little church. What's the chance of that? She says, you can't kill yourself. Hold off on that. Wait a day. (laughs) And so the lady agreed and she came to church and got saved. Now, the point I want to make is look at the orchestration. We had booked that trip a year earlier, a whole year earlier. So God had to have that lady hold off on her suicide till that night before. Then she had, the Lord had to have the lady call her friend, then the friend invite her over, then the friend have my book, and then recommend that she read the book, and then another friend call and say, Bill Weiss is going to be at my church. The lady didn't know that, and then the lady agreed to come to the church. Look at all the orchestration it took to get that lady saved. But see, that's the point. God is so merciful. He wants to save everybody. He goes to extremes to get people saved. And if we are soul winners, God will lay it out in front of us. He'll prepare the way. So our job is easy. It's already prepared. We just show up and God will take care of all these things. One last thing. I I had one other atheist I talked to, millionaire, really wealthy guy, very smart. But I said everything I could say to him for two hours, he would not listen. And he said, Bill, you know what? I am just not interested, not interested, and God reminded me of something I would read earlier. I said, you know, if I was to give you a glass of water or offer you a glass of water or a hundred million dollars, which would you take? You take the hundred million dollars, right? But if you were in the desert and you're dying and you have 30 seconds left to live, you're dying of thirst, and I offer you the cup of cold water or the hundred million, which would you take? The cup of cold water. It's called circumstantial priorities. See, you might not be, I said, you might not be interested in the cup of cold water or the offer of salvation now. But there's going to come a day where you're going to stand before the mighty throne of God with all his millions of angels and all his power. And he's going to say to you, why did you reject my word? Why didn't you believe my word? You will have no excuse. You will stand there guilty of your sin. And you will be desperate for that offer of salvation, that cup of cold water. But it'll be too late then. You will not get that offer then. And there'll be hideous demons waiting to drag you off into hell. Listen to these two verses. This is really powerful. I want to read you this. Zephaniah 1, 14 and 15 says, The great day of the Lord is near. The mighty man shall cry there bitterly. That day is a day of wrath, trouble, distress, wasteness, and desolation. And Nahum 1.6. Who can stand before his indignation? And who can abide in the fierceness of his anger? His fury is poured out like fire. Matthew Henry said this. They that would not hear the doctrine that will save them shall be made to hear the sentence that will ruin them. If you're here tonight, or today, and you say, you know, I don't know, Bill. I don't know if I'm going to heaven. I don't know if my name's in His book. See God has a book, an actual book, and He's going to see if all our names are in His book. And the worst words you could ever hear would be Jesus saying, your name's not in the book because you chose to push me away. See God doesn't send anybody to hell. He gives us a free will to choose. It's up to us. Because He loves us, He gives us that free will. And He said in Matthew 12, 37, your own words will condemn you. Because people say, I don't believe Jesus is the only way. Yet He tells us, if you don't believe my word, in Revelation 21:8, all unbelievers shall have their part in the lake of fire. You have to believe His word. And Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. You want to live at His house? You have to do it His way. There is only one way. So please, I urge you, do not take a chance with your soul if you're here. Because one second after you die, it's too late. You won't get a second chance. And now you have an opportunity. This is not an invitation. This is an opportunity you have to receive Jesus and avoid this horrible place called hell. And I'm telling you, if you could see it for five seconds, you'd run to the altar thanking God for Jesus. If that's you, and you're here, and you would say, Bill, I don't, I want to make sure my name's in His book. I'm just going to ask you right now to be bold. Slip up your hand. I see your hand. Just slip up your hand. If you want to know your name is in His book, and you'll go to heaven. You maybe haven't repented. Maybe you haven't been living right. You want to get your life right with God. Now's the chance. Right now. Raise your hand. Anybody else? Slip up your hand high. You want to make sure God sees that hand. He said, if you confess me before men, I'll confess you before my Father in heaven. We're going to say a prayer right now. All right, those people that raised their hand, and we can all say this. Say, dear God in heaven, I know that I've sinned. I cannot save myself. I believe you sent your son Jesus to die on a cross for me. And he was crucified, died and was buried, but he rose again And lives forevermore. Forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart. I receive you as my Lord and Savior. You are the Son of God. Thank you for saving me. And I now confess. I'm a born again Christian. Go into heaven. And I will serve you. All the days of my life. In Jesus name. Amen. Amen.